0: You're listening to Pastor Mike Greiner of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you will be challenged today as you listen to a sermon entitled, Triple Delight, recorded on July 29, 2018. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Mike as he preaches. Hello and welcome to Harvest Community Church. If you're a first-time guest, we're happy to have you. My name is Mike and you could be worshiping right here in beautiful Catanning where I'm standing you can be worshiping in Indiana or in Freeport or in India. We have people who regularly worship with us from India um, or in the Petroleum Valley and even in the local jail. And uh, the Lord's word will preach to all of us. We are going through parables this summer and uh, the parables of Jesus, stories that have a purpose that he put in there. And, I, and I've got to have a disclosure to you before I get going on my way here today, um, I received a, a phone call. From my good friend Dave Questio and his wife Kathy, and um, some of you may know, but those of you don't, um, Dave's in the hospital, and um, they he 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 suddenly started losing weight and having pain just in the last few weeks, and um, so they did a bunch of tests. They just came back today, all the tests, and he has uh, lung cancer. He has has spread to his liver and to his spine. He is currently in the Butler Hospital. What a nice hospital, especially the new side, that is. And um, if you want to visit, um, Kathy loves visitors. Dave does, too. But he's not feeling well, so get in, say hi, give some hugs, and, uh, you know, (laughs) move on. But, you know, Dave and Kathy have been part of this church since before I got here. One of the first people I met was Kathy. She's... um, Bright and shiny, and then there was her silent, dark, silent husband nearby, who is just a terrific guy. And and you know you can't help but love them as you get to know them. Um, go to their backyard, ride their jet skis, whatever you do with them. I've done those things. Have him fix your car. He does body work. Um, but um, we actually had the first elders retreat at their house. We didn't even have elders yet. It was literally the first elders retreat at their house and um, they're an awesome couple, they love Jesus and now um, they're going through a very difficult time as you can imagine I I don't bring that up just to give you the update although it is good to get the word out but to let you know that when we take communion and when we declare the gospel and when we go through parables and we listen to the Son of God speak the word to us it's to give us eternal life it's for moments like this in people's lives. This is it's a sad time. It's a heavy time for me. Um, um, you know, it would be a heavy time for those who know them, heavy time for them, but not a hopeless time uh, because we have a God who, who raises higher. Let's remember that we don't come together as a church to, to talk about an interesting philosophy that we like. Right, we are the children of God, coming to hear our Father remind us in this difficult, fallen world that everything is going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay because of Jesus, because God came to Earth out of love for us. So, with that said, let's jump into the Bible and let God feed us and minister to us. From we're going to take three, three parables today. So we're going to look in Mark chapter 4 to begin, Mark 4, three parables because Mark and Matthew have, each have two of these three parables with an odd one out, right? <laughs> um, so if it was a Venn diagram, we'll forget the Venn diagram thing, just each of them have two of these parables and I don't know how to say that, one of them is not in common and you have to go to both places, I don't know how to say it, you figure it out, but in any case... They're always in the same section. They go together, the three of them. It's like a triplet of parables in two different gospels, and their meanings are very close, so we're going to and they're short. So we're going to go through them one, two, three. Here's number one. Mark four verse 26. Jesus said, "The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Then he sleeps and he rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So the kingdom of God in our very first parable, to notice, produces a product, right? It produces a harvest, the goal of the kingdom is to grow something that you can harvest. But this parable doesn't just say he plants a seed so he can pick the grain. It, it talks about the way it grows. This man plants a seed and goes to bed. Do you remember, um, uh, I shouldn't say this as if we've all had common experiences, but probably most of us have been in first grade or kindergarten or second grade, and somebody decided to give us a, a Dixie cup um, with dirt in it and said, put a little seed in there. Mikey, or whatever your name happens to be, and then you take that seed and you leave it at your desk and you come every day and eventually a little life comes out of the ground. Remember that? Well, that's 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 what this is saying. You just put it in and you wait, you watch. And and the way this grows, Jesus wants us to look at. Not just that it grows. By the way, I've done some gardening over the last 20 years. I, I like to plant gardens. Um, normally to eat the stuff that comes out once in a while for flowers, and my favorite flower, and pretty much the only one I plant anymore, is a sunflower. In fact, it's the only thing I plant from seed. Planting from seeds is too stinking much work when you can go to Walmart and get a six-pack of the same thing for like a buck, and it's already started. But sunflowers never grow well unless you plant them from seed. I don't know why. Other people start them and don't do it, just unless they're full-grown and you want to give a bouquet, but go... Just get a pack of sunflower seeds. You have time. I think it takes like 12 weeks. You could still get one done if the weather stays warm enough. Um, you just put them in the ground. You don't even have to water sunflowers generally unless you have a drought. You just put them in the ground. And they're tough little buggers. They come up and they, they I love sunflowers. I'm a big fan. They get to the sky. Some of them 12, 15 feet high. You do nothing. They create these great big flowers which you can look at because they're pretty and all that business. Uh that chicks dig flowers, young men, and so plant a flower, and and then you can actually, if you want, you can eat the seeds, or you can let the birds eat the seeds, and and, and that's actually what I thought about when I read that, how cool it is, I'm always amazed that this ugly little seed creates a stalk in the, in the spring when you tear it all out, that sucker is big and heavy, how's it happen, I don't know, so the first observation, we're going to Just look at all three, and then we're going to bring them all together. So the first summary statement about our first parable is, the kingdom of God is like planting a sunflower seed and then doing nothing. And the sunflower grows on its own. Now, there's no sunflower in the parable. It's just a seed with grains. I I think maybe it could have been a sunflower, (laughs) but I don't know. What does this mean? Now we saw what it says. What the heck are you talking about, Jesus? (laughs) The kingdom of God is like a seed that grows while I sleep. Okay. Well, there's a clue in the next parable. Look at verse 30. And Jesus said, What? With what can we compare the kingdom of God? My head's still spinning. Can you imagine listening to Jesus? You're trying to figure out, wait a minute. Stop, I'm still on the flower. or the grain. Jesus is like, I'm moving on. Take notes. Think about it later. Next parable, please. And here it comes. With what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. Gardeners planting mustard seeds in the Middle East, no doubt, are doing it because they want mustard. Why else would you do it? And I guess out of the other seeds they're planting in that garden, it's a tiny one. It's a, you know, it, it doesn't take up much space. But when it's done growing... You know, the gardener just wants mustard. The mustard tree seems to, in this parable, have its own agenda. Do you see that? It, the guy just like, I need some mustard. And the tree's like, I'm taking over this joint. You know, it's like animal farm with a plant. It, it just comes up and it gets big. And then birds come and live in it. Last thing you want in the garden is birds happily living in your mustard tree, which you didn't want in the first place. But he, here's what Jesus throws at us. Um, <laughs> that's what the kingdom of God is like. I was looking up, what's the deal with a tree that birds come in? And it actually shows up several times in the Old Testament and every time it, it, it's a symbol of safety provided by God. A, a town or a kingdom will, will grow up like a tree or a, a plant that birds and animals can come. So this is, in all likelihood, a symbol of a haven. The birds are coming there not to ruin the garden. They're coming there because even though that little seed went in there, it created a home. Where the kingdom of God went, it created a, a safe place where birds could thrive. I don't think we have to reach far to already begin to unpack that one, right? The kingdom of God starts small but creates a place where people can thrive. So let's, let's summarize this one before moving to the third. The kingdom of God is like planting a mustard seed and it grows into a comfortable home for birds. It grows into a. Co- Again, I'm like, okay, Jesus, if you're sitting at His feet, Jesus, um, let's review. We got the one that grows up while you sleep. We got the home for birds, and then you're like, he's like, wait, I've got another, and you're like, I'm not, I can't keep up. But he's got another, and this time we're going to jump to Matthew thirteen, thirty-three. And he said, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which would be yeast, which nobody has to work with if you don't bake, right? But hopefully everyone's heard of yeast. If you haven't, there can be a few. I don't want to assume everyone knows what yeast is. If you want to make bread with flour and water, it won't go very far. It'll be a flat little mound of hardness. You have to put yeast into it to rise, okay? So, uh, and you just put a little bit of yeast, so, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took, and hid in three measures of flour till it was leaven. So of course I had to look up what's three measures of flour, and 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 it turns out it's enough to make about fifty-two loaves. That's, that's fifty-two, and and I don't know if the person, the scholars who figured that out, want to say fifty-two because there's fifty-two weeks in the year or anything. But the whole point is it's a pretty doggone big lump, all right. Pretty how much yeast? Not much. Why not? Because once you get yeast in flour, it's alive. It's alive and it grows. And it does what it does. Until it gets through every bit. And, and here's, here's Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven it's like leaven. little little bit. Once it gets in, it grows on its own and invades the entire lump of dough. So we don't get lost. Let's summarize this third one. Here we go. The kingdom of heaven is like putting a little bit of yeast in a lot of dough. And the yeast causes all the dough to rise. All right, those are our three. What do they mean? How do they go together? What's Jesus trying to say? Let's tackle this. What we've learned so far, I think, is two things that we can say is in common to all three parables. Number one, the kingdom of God is related Two very small things, very small beginnings, isn't it? All three of them, we're starting small. We're starting with one seed, we're starting with one mustard seed, and we're starting with a little oven compared to a great big lump of dough. I've often been described myself as a great big lump of dough, now that I think of it. (laughs) The second thing that we note is that all three things, all three parables, have the small thing growing by itself. It's self-powered, self-energized. In other words, the one who does the planting does not make it grow in any of the three. With these truths in mind, I think we can get great insight into the kingdom of God. I think this theme is all over the New Testament and old. So what I'd like to do is give us two or maybe three observations, principles. Number one. The kingdom of God is going to spread to the entire earth. Now, if I was working only inside these parables, I might not go that far. But these parables reflect something that can be seen throughout the Bible. The kingdom of God is going to spread to the entire earth. Where is the kingdom of God now? Well, wherever the king rules. Well, he rules everything. So that's kind of nebulous. It doesn't make sense. It's already in the entire earth. No, no. There will be a kingdom on the earth that everybody knows Jesus is the king. But it's going to start small and it's going to spread. The leaven is in the lump. Of human history is the lump. The history of mankind is the dough. The leaven is in. Jesus himself, in another parabolic saying, speaks of himself as a seed. Now, I'm not going to try to mix up that parable with this one. But there's definitely something we can apply from that. Jesus calls himself a seed in a very similar way. In that he starts small and multiplies. Let me read that part to you. From John 12, 24, he says, "...truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone." But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is the one who fell to the ground and died. He said this right before he was going into the Last Supper speeches and all that, before he was arrested, before he went to a cross and surprised all his followers by dying, by laying down his life. But he was saying, look, look, I could keep walking through life preaching to you till I'm an old man. He says, but if I go and die on this cross, I'm no longer alone. What exactly does he mean? What does he mean? If I die on this cross, I'm not alone. He wasn't alone. He had James and John and Andrew and, 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 and he had Simon and he had Mary and he had Mary and there was Mary and Mary and Mary. And Mary. They're all <laughs> lots of Marys. It's like we need some creative women in first century Judaism to change these names. But he's not alone. What does he mean? Unless, unless... He, The answer, the cliff note answer, is that he is the only one on that planet who's completely without sin and ready for heaven. He's the only one. Only one. He's he's going to multiply that. He's going to multiply it by dying on a cross, rising on the third day, and because he's paid for sin, he's going to get up in a glorified super body but then even then he's all alone. He's the only one with a glorified super body. But because he did that, he enables that to be repeated a million times. Right? This, this is not... Those familiar with the Bible are saying, yeah, I can connect those. Those are not saying, I wonder if he's making this stuff up. I'm not. I just don't have time to show it all to you. But, but, but I, I do think it's important we, we capture this Romans 8, 29, for those whom G- who God foreknew, he predestined. He-, he made a plan beforehand to do what? To be conformed to the image of his son. You're going to be like Jesus. It doesn't mean in heaven everybody looks just the same. That would be weird. What it means is everyone is going to share his holiness. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. If there's a family with 10 brothers, one of them is firstborn right? Well, here's the picture. Only one man's ever been born from the grave with a super glorified body, but he's just the firstborn of many. Not just, but he's the firstborn of many here. When Jesus returns, the promise of the scriptures, every man and woman, boy and girl who knows Jesus will get up again. Death has been beaten by our Savior on our behalf when he gave his innocent body to die for us, so we're all going to get up again, and he will no longer be the only one. He will only be the, the only one who's God. His divine nature stays the same. But as humanity goes, there won't be just one glorified human without sin who's ready for, for eternity. There will be how many? Well, there's you. <laughs> there's me. And there's people throughout the centuries. So unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And, and, and you could do that with a, with a corn. You put a corn in and boom, you get all these corns. And you plant all the corns, you get more corns. God put it in the earth and then he stood on the earth and he said, Now, this is how salvation works too. Just, just put the seed in. Jesus was planted, if you will, and I mean him... No disrespect to say that, I'm just sticking with the picture. And he grew. Now many more will grow. What a small beginning. One man. One man. One man is a if 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 the newspapers well what are newspapers? Remember those? <laughs> if if on the internet and the radio and television um, tomorrow you hear everyone hears the same news story. A person died yesterday. On the planet, people would be like, That's it? Yeah, that's it. He's like, Well, that's a pretty good day. That's a pretty good day. (laughs) Got seven billion folks. One of them died. I mean, stinks to be him. I'm sure his family's sad, but (laughs) no earthquakes, no diseases, no murder. Just one person. Doesn't seem like much, does it? One man from a tiny nation. There's not many Jews. There's never been a lot of Jews. You know, there's not. I mean, a lot is relative. If there's 13 million of you, 14 million of you, it feels like a lot. Until you realize there's 300 million Americans and over a million Chinese and over a million Indians. There ain't that many Jews. And there sure weren't that many in the first century. And they didn't have any power. One man. Was born there. They didn't even have electricity. He never did a radio show. He never did a blog. Jesus never blogged. He's never had a Facebook. And if he saw what they do him on Facebook. <laughs> he says, angel, go post something for me. Yeah, post. No one has to retweet anything with my picture on it. <laughs> I don't know who made that up. He never called anyone on the phone. He didn't even use the telegraph. Never wrote a book. Never wrote a pamphlet. Never wrote a track. He's at a time when most people are just forgotten. Run by Romans. He never did anything that most people do if they want to make an impact. You know, he didn't get an editor to publish his works with a PR guy. He, he didn't run for any office. He didn't want any office. He didn't start any revolutions, any coups. He didn't join, as far as we know, a single club. Not one group. He worked for about three years, and his work was walking around, talking to people, and telling them, God said this, God said that. And some people say he did miracles. I believe he did. <laughs> but besides that, he didn't do anything. Oh, he died. Not a great way to take off. Go ahead and die. One tiny man, one little nation, planted in the earth. And now Jesus is the most important man who's ever lived on the planet. Why? He just is, right? Every religion accounts for him. His name is known throughout the world and he has affected, his teachings have affected Everyone. And then he started followers. Followers who were Jews, who the big shot Jews said, we don't like you, and they kicked him out. So it's just a little bit of people from a little bitty nation get squished out into the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire pretty much says, we don't think we like you either. And they say, we're the children of God. And someone says, no, you're lion food. <laughs> You know, we'll set you on fire. We'll ju- I mean, we'll let you go sometimes, but if you get in the way, we're gonna give you to the lions, okay? Just let you know that. They went from criminals and hated to 400 years later, Rome fell. But the pastor at Rome didn't. Church went east, church went west, church went south. The name of Jesus has spread to all nations at all times. And it, and it keeps going. One man, one little seed. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth, the kingdom of heaven will be like a little mustard seed. Put it in there and it becomes a, a safe haven. Atheists today love the internet. But I want you to know, you need history so that you don't panic. They've always been atheists and they've always said the same thing. They need to come up with something new. They've been claiming that the time of Christianity has come to an end. There's this one guy, an ex-Muslim. That's his moniker, ex-Muslim. I think he's Iranian or something. But he hates all religions. (laughs) He'll get on Twitter and and just say how they're all gonna be gone and I'll just jump in there and say, hmm, wanna bet? (laughs) You know, (laughs) just... That's, that's all Twitter is. There's one person saying, I'm right. Another person saying, no, you're not, I am. It's just a matter of how snarky you're gonna be. But he hasn't, he hasn't said anything that atheists, is, you know. They've always been declaring, uh, famous last words, this Christianity thing is about to run its course. Study your history. Many have said that. Many have tried to make it happen. Many Christians have been killed. Today, Christianity is spreading like yeast in fresh dough through the world's most populated regions of, of, of the African subcontinent and of South America and China. And you know where else it grows? Wherever it's introduced. It's interesting in the history of, of missions. For in the 80s and 90s, no one wanted to send missionaries to Muslim Middle East countries, right? They'd send them to Indonesia, but they wouldn't send them to the Middle East. Because no one wanted to get killed and they said they were closed countries. Well, it turns out, you know what happens if you send missionaries to Middle Eastern countries? Levin gets in there. Did you know that right now in Iran, there's a revival of Christianity going on? No, you didn't know. But you can know. How do you know? Talk to missionaries. They, they'll tell you. Now now that, that we've got a nice... All the pol- politics is fighting... Christians finally said, ah, what the heck, since everyone's fighting, let's go over there. And guess what's happening? Folks are getting saved. And they can try to wipe them out. They won't. Maybe they wipe them out one region for a few centuries, but you just squished them into another. They're not going away. Wherever it's planted. Presidents, dictators, philosophers... They think they control the world, the thinking of the world, direction of the world. They all want to take it somewhere. Right? Used to be Lenin and Marx and Stalin. Now there's some Puerto Rican chick from New York who uh, I think she's much cuter than Lenin or Marx. (laughs) Take over the world with socialism. That one's been tried. You're not gonna take over the world with democracy, you're not gonna take it over with socialism, you're not gonna take it over with capitalism. You can try anything you want. You know what the world's gonna be taken over with? The word of God. And and what did Habakkuk say? I don't know, what did Habakkuk say? Hundreds of years before Christ says, Behold, is it not from the Lord of hosts that peoples, that's nations, labor merely for fire? That nations weary themselves for nothing? The prophet says, Isn't this from God? All these nations think they're big shots for nothing. They fight their little wars. They take over their little places. They get pushed back. They go forward. They get wiped out. They don't get wiped out. They think they're all that in a bag of chips. Isn't this from the Lord that they're wasting their time? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Every nation will be inundated over and over and over again with the kingdom of God. It's an unstoppable force. It is. Looking at the world, as many people in our subculture do, only through conservative political lenses can make you depressed because you're not seeing things correctly. You may see correctly people who oppose one idea and people who are, you may see that very truly. But you're missing the story. It's all fake news except this. The kingdom of God is taking over the world. Isaiah 66. I'm pulling these verses out because they're Old Testament. Before Jesus. 700 years before Jesus. Look what, what was prophesied by Isaiah. This is... Isaiah speaking in the first person for God. So God is speaking. From them I will send survivors to the nations... Now, Jews are pretty high on themselves. Not Jews as a people, but as a nation in the Old Testament. I'm not talking about today. They're pretty high on themselves. Israel, Ra Ra, our God, the rest of you are pagans. So now their God, through one of their Jewish prophets, is saying, We're going to be going out to see the pagans. And he lists them, names we won't recognize, to Tarshish, to pull, to Lud. Lud apparently has run its course. I don't even know where Lud is. We're going to Lud this summer. Who draw the bow? To Tubal. To Javan. To the coastlands far away. Why, God, are you sending your people to these places? These places that have not heard my fame or seen my glory, they shall declare my glory among the nations. This little people, the Jews, this wonderful people, God planted them in the earth like a seed. And then he took the seed of the seed, Jesus, and he planted Him in the earth. <laughs> you're a part of the biggest movement in the history of mankind. And if you love Jesus, you're on the winning side. Jesus will soon return. By soon, I think it's in my lifetime. But I'm listening to a book about Luther, and he thought it was in his lifetime, and Paul thought it was in his lifetime. If you think it's in your lifetime, you have all of us for your friends, but it might not be, but if it is, I cannot wait. You know, a a moment like this needs music (laughs) to celebrate. I I can't wait to see the gospel just continue to explode. And it is. You can see this online. The internet's an amazing thing. You, You just have to search for it. Don't just go to a news site or a sports site. Type in Christians in and then put a place. Just start thinking how you can type. And you'll see these things happening. Jesus said... Before he comes, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and the end will come. An amazing thing that Jesus said that in the first century to his handfuls of followers as if they had some way to get a message, even outside of Israel. They didn't. As if they had some way to get the Roman Empire to listen, or to your relatives who are up in England poking themselves with sticks and worshiping fire. Who's gonna tell those people? And this little Jewish dude somewhere near the Mediterranean Sea is like, the whole world's going to hear this. And then the end will come. We at Harvest Community Church are committed to doing our part. We want to reach our neighbors always. And then we want to ask God, how far will you let us reach? And we care. If God says, end of the earth you know, one thing to think about, since we're not a Jewish nation, some of you might be Jews, and thank you, coming and bringing the gospel to us. We honor you. Um, but most of you are Gentiles. And none of you are from Israel, right? Maybe someone on someone the campus is standing up right now going, I'm from Israel, but probably not. <laughs> what that means is since you're saved, Listen, the gospel has already gone to the ends of the earth because that's where you're from. And it's going to keep going to the ends of the earth. Do you know Turkey was once a Christian land? It's not now. People say, wow, Turkey's lost. Yeah, Turkey's lost now. They didn't used to be. And they won't be in the future. It just keeps washing back and forth. God's going to save all the nations except France. France. Just kidding, just kidding. That's just a joke. (laughs) I know in heaven God's going to surround me with French people. It'd be like eating crepes for centuries. We know our destiny, Revelation 7, 9 to 11. And after this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. It's a number so big, no one can count it. You can look at it, you can't count it. It's all your people. It's your brothers and sisters, all different colors, all different languages, languages that are dead today. People from Lud are going to be there. I don't even, what are they speaking Lud? Lud is, Lud talk. I don't even know how to say hello in Lud. They're going to be there. Clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands should remind you of Palm Sunday. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The Lamb is Jesus. The destiny of human history. The reason when you say, why, why in times of suffering? Or why when you're in philosophy class? Why? Answer, because God is going to bring his gospel to all the world so he can bring a people to himself. That's why. That's why. That's why. You don't have to go to philosophy class. You have answers they can't even come up with. They're smarter than us, but they don't come to the right answer. But it starts through the mustard seed. This little bitty oppressed people can't even keep an army to keep themselves protected in the first century. One little man, just one mustard seed. How many hospitals, how many orphanages, how many families have been redeemed by this man? Like a mustard tree how many of you can testify in your families? Maybe in your generation or one before you. We were a mess. The kingdom of God came. And we ran under the branches. And we were safe. Right? It's happened. It's happening. Second observation. If, if you might be. Well, second one. We are empowered to expand this kingdom. These parables put forth not only that small grows to great, but that there's someone intervening in all three of them who's not the main character, but is important. The guy who plants the seed, the man who plants the garden, and the woman who does the flower. Traditional roles. God is so sexist. Those people aren't the center of attention. It's the seed and what it does. It's the yeast and what it does. But they play an important role. If you can plant a sunflower seed, you can plant the kingdom of God. If you can plant a mustard seed, you can expand the kingdom of God. If you can pour a little yeast from that yellow packet into the dough, you can can expand the kingdom of God. The power is not from you, but the power is in you. Christians, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, and I'm talking about the message of the gospel. And your loving willingness to give all, to get it places. To get it places. <laughs> you, you speak, you tell, you bring, you send. You, you don't have to have the power to save your family member or your neighbors. But you can make it happen by planting. We... um. For those of you, I know many don't know because you come into church and you don't know the history, but we have three families that came right up from the ground right here in Armstrong County with the exception of one guy who came from South Dakota, a strange and strange land. (laughs) Do you want to see the glory of God? Something from South Dakota that's worth talking about. You know, you never, you can make all the jokes about South Dakota you want, unlike France, um, because they'll never know. There's like four of them, and most of them are home. (laughs) But mostly they came up from here. And and you know where they went? We sent them, you sent them, we're continually sending them to an unreached people group. Now that unreached people group means they don't have any church. You wake up in in the morning there, and you say, I'm gonna go to church. Sorry. Don't have one. Your people don't have churches. (laughs) You have well, I'll find a Christian friend to teach me what it says. Sorry. As far as we know, there's like four. So you probably won't find them. That's unreached. We've got to get the mustard seed in there, baby. We need to get the leaven in there. The unreached people group you sent them to has over 20 million people. I want to go ahead and paint the ugly picture. There's no way... Six adults and their children are going to reach 20 million people. There's no way they're not going to get that message to 20 million people. But they don't have to. They just got to get that leaven in and knead it a little bit. It'll get. It'll get there itself. It'll get there itself. For those of you who responded to our next initiative, I want to thank you. Um, an odd place to mention that but it's connected uh, those of us myself included may have, have already the number of shows started to give more than before really giving us some margin some move to room to breathe on the domestic front we're, we're hiring a few more people we're taking care of some facilities and we actually have literally cash to just do what we got to do but now we can begin to dream more and we are and i wish i could tell you more but that'll be another day it's all about the fact that we're empowered to expand the kingdom. The gospel message has the power. The gospel, if you're new to Christianity, the gospel means good news, and good news is that Jesus Christ died for sinners. The bad news is, I'm a sinner and so are you. The good news is, he died for sinners. The bad news is, sinners go to hell. The good news is, he died for sinners. To pay the price for my sin and yours. Because he's innocent. That message has power. All by itself. Plant the seed. Declare that Christ died to save sinners. Help people understand what you said. And the kingdom will go. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. We have... Missionaries in, in the room I'm standing in who have had the honor to give up their lives in America. It's a gift so that they could be royal ambassadors to bring this good news to people in a jungle and many people now know Jesus who didn't before and those missionaries aren't there anymore. What's going to happen? Well, if they did their job right, They're not needed anymore. You plant the seed, you let it work. My friends, Christians, it's time to be bold in your faith, more bold than in anything else in your life. Unashamed that Jesus Christ is your Lord unashamed that you tell the world, you know the best thing that could happen to this world, what? That people believe a man was stripped naked, beaten, and hung on a cross for our sins because that man is the Son of God. That will not fly in the university. That will not fly in the newsrooms. Even your friends might think, you're nuts. And you know what you say to them? You say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes this is a message that set me free. We have a friend named Tilak who we sent a mission team to and they just did a bunch of EBS with their Indian kids over there this summer. Um, Tilak used to sing in a Hindu temple. Sing. And he will tell you, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. To me! Finally, not only can we expand the kingdom, and this is good news here too, we're the product. We are the product that Jesus is growing. Because of the gospel, you matter. Apart from the gospel, we're sinners. But because of the gospel, I matter, you matter. And this parable, Jesus is the king, the kingdom has already come to your heart because the king rules there, right? Okay, it's not visible in the whole world, but it's in your heart. You are the product he's working for. The very first parable <laughs> reminded us that the point of the kingdom of God is a harvest. Now I don't mean a name for a church. I mean you start with nothing and you get something. You're the something. God harvests. People! And when he gets a hold of you, no matter when, when you're a kid or when you're old, or anywhere in between, he does not leave you the same. He's not concerned with your outside looks. He's concerned with your spirit. So Christians, right now, where you are, hearing my voice, I want you to know, Christians, God is changing you now. He's working on you right now. He works on you daily. He works on you every day. All that you do in life is part of God's work in you. And all that is done to you is part of God's work. Suffering is part of God's work in you. Suffering you've caused, God is going to smack you around so you can stop doing that. So you can be holy but in the lives of Christians most the suffering that comes your way is not going to be your fault and it's the hand of God graciously changing you Martin Luther had a horrible problem when he was stuck in the, in the castle if you don't know the story you can look it up but he's stuck in a castle if he comes out they're going to kill him he's got nothing to do but translate stuff and write he's got a horrible problem that's hard to describe but Martin Luther is not shy Let's just say, if you don't sit down, this is for guys, ladies, imagine guys, when you're in the bathroom for several weeks, and then when you do sit down, you're going to pass out from the pain. You have a name for that. I'm not even going to mention it. Well, that's what he was suffering from. (laughs) He'd write his friends. (laughs) I'm changing the world. I told the Pope, Guy, here I stand in the word of God, but I am in pain. He he did. You know what he did? He said, I thank God that he gave me a remnant of the cross. I thank God that he reminded me that this world is pain. He also asked for medicine. He's not stupid. (laughs) All that you do is part of God's work in you and all that... I want to end just by reading you the Bible. I just want to throw some seeds into your heart. And then I'm going to say amen. Right? Ready? Everybody ready? Here we go. And and every one of these is about you. I'm giving you permission to say, I don't want to be self-centered. Think about yourself, please. That's what I'm asking you to do. Philippians 2. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you. Both to work and to will for his good pleasure. Colossians 1. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. 1 John 3. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. Romans eight twenty eight and 29. We know that those who love God, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed into the image of His Son. Finally, in 2 Corinthians 4, so we don't lose heart, even if we have a cancer diagnosis, even if we're in tremendous pain, even if we're facing the greatest darkness of life, and that's death itself. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this momentary light affliction is preparing for us an eternal Weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that we see are transient, there they go. but the things that are unseen, eternal. You are the sons and daughters of God. He is working in your spirit all the way up to the last moment. And then he transforms you into a new creature completely at the resurrection. The kingdom of God, therefore, It's not just something you expand. It's something that's actually growing in you. You're the garden. There's a big old plant growing up inside you. What's that mean? Christian, hear me. This is very important what I'm about to say, and this is how I end it. Never doubt His plan. Never doubt His attention on you. And never doubt His goodness towards you. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church we invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Cattanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.